there's this guy in my neighborhood that I call the $5 man because I used to see him walk up and down Sunset Boulevard carrying random crap like a used harmonica or a lamp with a busted lampshade and he would try and sell it for $5. This is the type of person that I would try and avoid eye contact with. But then I found out that he had a dog and I have a dog and our dogs became best friends, not just friends, but my dog became, uh, just fell madly in love with his dog. So we would see each other and we would interact with each other because our dogs wanted to sniff each other's butts or my dog wanted to just splay herself in front of his dog. But then I stopped seeing him for a little while. Um, I didn't know why it was a couple, maybe a couple months before I saw him next. And then I asked him how Bruno, his dog was doing. And he said, Bruno had died of a heart attack, which was shocking because you don't normally hear about dogs dying that way, but I guess his dog died of a heart attack. Um, anyway, I still see him around the neighborhood. We still say hello, but I still didn't know his name and I still refer to him as the $5 man. Folks, hello, it's me, Dale, your host for another deep night broadcast of Dale Radio, a show about characters and their creators coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And we have a wonderful episode for you today. It's a show that has inspired me uh, to listen to Ethel Merman's There's No Business Like Show Business on heavy rotation. It's a fun soundtrack for any time, but especially late at night on the subway. You see the show people there, and you can just feel it. You know, I love meeting fellow performers, and if I see someone who I suspect is, like me, a creature of the stage, no matter how small the stage or the person. I'll just saddle up next to them and give them a knowing smile or a nod, and I'll just mouth the words along with Ethel. There's no people like show people like no people I know, <laughs> you know. And three times out of ten, that person will start singing along right back. The other times, they usually get up and walk to the other end of the train. But, oh, I connect when it's someone of my own kind, you know, a member of my tribe of cabaret performers and uh, two-bit actors and saxophone players, those of us all too familiar with the grease paint and the footlights and the ropes that hold up scenery weighed down by overstuffed sandbags and dressing room trysts and hearty union workers who are gruff but wise and have our backs and we say the heck with it, let's take this F all the way to King's Highway. <laughs> I love talking show business, and I'm very happy to have had the chance with my guest today. It's nice to be happy again after so long. It's no secret that I've been a little down in the dumpsy-wumpsies these past few months, the long nights leading up to my birthday. It was a big one, and it had me back on my heels a bit, reeling from the passage of time. 
Well, it seems like every podcast I listen to talks about uh, a comedy uh, coming from depression, so I'll just leave it at that and say how up it made me feel to receive so many of your letters and cards and edible arrangements. A special thank you to Linda Tully of Davenport, Iowa, who shipped a handsome and quite eerily realistic likeness of my torso, sculpted entirely in white chocolate. Linda, I owe you a phone call. It was great to hear from you, my loyal listeners, and was also quite a surprise to have my niece Katrina remember the special day. Oh, she has a hard time remembering to pick up the many pieces of microwave popcorn that fall on the floor during movie nights. But she certainly went all out for my birthday. The day started by her rousing me from my Advil PM-induced slumber, giving a hearty prod to my sleeping sack, which I roll out each night beneath the card table in our dining nook. And she had made a fresh pan of cinnamon bread, which I devoured along with a fresh pot of coffee. Now, she's a horrible baker, but she got it right on this one. I didn't even mind the tiny pieces of shrimp tail I found in one bite. It was like she had gotten a culinary degree from Cinnabon. Oh, it was good. And then, again, quite unexpectedly, she ushered me out of the door with a shoe, shoe, and I was saying, no, but my shoes. <laughs> we had a good laugh. And she unlocked the deadbolt and let me back in to change out of my house slippers into my walking loafers. She had written an address on the back of a receipt. Uh, you can never find paper when you need it, can you? But well, thank goodness those CVS receipts are so long. And lo and behold, she had purchased me a birthday massage. Now, luckily, I packed my birthday suit, which, not what you're thinking, but I... I I wear a head-to-toe body stocking on my birthday that's sort of, sort of like a Spanx uh, for men, a unitard, but for special occasions. So I had that ready and on, and I popped into the corner massage place in so many. Uh, all of Brooklyn has a corner spa, and you just you can't avoid them. It's so fantastic. And, oh, it smells nice in this one, folks, like old yoga mats and the breath of health food employees. And I was introduced to Sarah, who could not have been more skilled or more kind in facilitating my massage with much kneading and rubbing and pouring of oils. It turns out she's a bit of a show person herself. You see, I can find him no matter where I am. She is a competitive jouster at the Dutchess County Ren Fair. She's also a stage manager for the local theater company. So I tell you this, she knows just where everything goes, and she gets it there forcefully. Oh, and she looks good in black, too. They didn't wear a lot of black in the Renaissance days, I guess. The plague, probably, that, that was, you know, the black death was maybe you didn't want to conjure that. But what do you wear for plagues? Rags? I guess like they should have worn those SARS masks is what they should have. That would have done a world of good. And probably also clean drinking water could have helped. Well, I asked Sarah right as she flipped me onto my back in a single deft move using her very solid forearm strength. I asked, where are the massage tables at the Ren Fairs? And she laughed, a knowing sort of laugh, but also the laugh of someone who's worn chainmail for long stretches of time in a dusty field. And I said, probably back in those days, it was just a bale of hay out behind the blacksmith's shop. And instead of a white noise machine, they had an asthmatic boy named Charles. And he would just stand real close to you as he wheezed away while fondling a newt in the fraying pocket of his burlap trousers. It's the only way the common man could relax back then. Well, maybe there was some enlightenment buzzing about, but I just think it took some time for luxury to reach the commoners. Sure, the painters were doing okay, but the rest of us, well, it's just gather around a giant picnic table in a great hall and hope for a morsel of mutton. 
speaking of lambs, our dear friend Daniel Lee out there in Los Angeles contributed the audio character portrait you heard at the top of this episode. Daniel's tale of meeting someone and connecting with them is familiar to me, though. I had fish as a child, so bonding over pets is not something I'm capable of doing. We had no communal pond where we could dump our tanks and have our groupers get to know one another. I prefer fish, in a sense, and kind of independent group, you know, a lot of eating of flakes. But Daniel's responsible for a great new web series that's out now featuring a, a character of his own design, Ronaldo Chung. And the show is called Ask a Celebrity Anything, and it's your chance to ask a genuine star something you've always wondered about. I don't know how to put up wallpaper or uh, what's, how many moons does Jupiter really have? You know, oh, what's happening to the red spot? Why is it going away? All of those uh, questions and more will be answered uh, by Ronaldo. Uh, it's your chance to, to check it out. So, uh, and probably he'll be able to answer mm, some of them, or he might just talk about his time doing musicals. Check it out on YouTube and like the page on Facebook for future episodes and uh, uh, new release alerts. I like those. Also, uh, remember to check out Chris Shockwave Sullivan's podcast, Shockin' Awesome, available now on iTunes. And if you do, if you're over there on iTunes anyway, why not leave us a little review? That'd be swell. We recorded this episode that you're about to hear at HarvestWorks, which, if you don't know, is a fantastic resource and residency program for artists and experimental media makers in the heart of Soho in New York City. My thanks to everyone there for making a quiet space in this bustling metropolis uh, available uh, for, uh, for talking, a space free of brunching roommates and creaking floorboards and trains zooming by, you know, harvestworks.org is the website for more information. So today, Lady Rizzo, Talk about great showbiz figures. Lady Rizzo is that. She has been delighting audiences around the globe for the better part of the last decade. She's an international cabaret star and a Grammy-winning chanteuse. She's received five stars for her appearances at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Her album Violet is available now, and I gather she's working on uh, more on that front. She was, at the time of this episode, nine months pregnant, and she'd just flown in. Uh, from Australia. She was preparing for a, jo- uh, a show at Joe's Pub, and she had uh, just ridden a city bike over from the village. That's how showbiz types roll, on a city bike. Some highlights to look forward to in this conversation. Lady Rizzo reveals a little forgotten history of uh, what, what I think is forgotten history, of the beloved comedy institution over there in Long Island City, the Creek in the Cave. She dishes on a kind of weird moment with Barry Humphreys, one of my idols, and in the end she delights with a little Bobby Darin tune that turned me into a liquid puddle of admiration and affection. Here she is, the flirtatious, infectious, inspiring Lady Rizzo. Oh my goodness! Hello, Lady Rizzo. Hey, Dale. How are you? Thank you for making it over here, and my thanks to Harvest Works, who's hosting us, yeah, setting us up in this beautiful be- sound studio, the beautiful cornucopia of harvest. It's outside. you feel it this time of year, don't you? You do. It's appropriate. That yeah, we <laughs> yeah. Get in here. Ah, uh, lots of gourds. 
Yeah, you squash. You go in for the decorative gourd. Squash buffet. Oh, this time of year I like to just I'll staple a few up to the wall. I love to just blow on a decorative. I mean, like, you know, I mean. <laughs> oh, yes, like, like the horn. The horn. The horn of plenty. Yeah, that's where they came from. I think so. Yeah, yeah. that's where Thanksgiving They didn't from. have purses back then. They would just <laughs> shove all their stuff. That's They carried it around. There's some actually amazing art that's made out of gourds. Out of gourds? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Great gourd artists. <laughs> yeah. It's a real hot thing right now, too. You go on Pinterest, oh, it's all, it's all about beautiful the gourds. gourd art. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh. You like the spiky ones? Those ones confuse me. Those ones, they're the nubs. little S&M. Oof. S&M squash. They get a little dirty. Yeah. A little raw, some of it at your <laughs> Thanksgiving table. But, uh, well, you had some kind of brick paving going on at your home. And you said, "Well, let's do something else." Yeah, I had brick resurfacing. It's not really my home. I'm, I'm, I'm glamorously homeless until I move into my next apartment. So I'm staying in luminaries, the houses of the New York luminaries until. Right now, I'm in Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist Michael Cunningham's apartment. Look at that! Yeah, not bad. You leaving stuff there? Am I like like, like hints? taking up books and like uh, putting little secrets in there? Anything? He has, he has. Oh yeah, I should just stuff in his drawers. Plant little, yeah, like little tokens. seeds for the next novel. That's right. Yeah, yeah, like a little mystery. He he is uh, has um has a lot of he is a uh, tchotchke king. Oh, Do you know what tchotchkes are? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, but very very elegant tchotchkes everywhere. So like like gold. The golden things? Just like really well-crafted. The New York Times came and picked, took a picture of his tchotchkes. Wow, that's, not, that's pretty good. <laughs> I know. He's setting but the standard. No gourds. No gourds. Yeah. Well, not yet. You'll <laughs> yeah. see what you do. Well, that's terrific. And I, I love a resurfaced brick, so I hope that he enjoys it as well <laughs> out there. And we've not met before. No. This is fantastic. I know. It's really exciting. I feel as if, though, you have been part of the like uh, uh, the uh, cultural fabric for me. I, I've really? often seen your name pop up here I and love there. love that. Uh, and I don't know exactly what that's about. I don't know if it's from uh, burlesque, that kind of world. Well, or... yeah, I've popped into a lot of different worlds, but maybe because I'm just a tireless promoter of myself that that's why I that's feel probably like I'm... it <laughs> no i i think maybe you know i've been i'm celebrating what is i've been here since the end of 2003 so it's enough time if you're just relentless and pushing yourself and you have some understanding of the craft that you're doing which is niche enough to have you stand out i think yeah you know i kind of created my own genre with calling it caberlesque Caberlesque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see. But I'm really a cabaret performer, and um, and that's just that's just really a word to describe a performer who uses their faculties, which with me it's singing and comedy and glamour Definitely. in an intimate setting with a low budget. Listen, I'm all about that. Yeah. I love it. You're glamour. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, you are too. Yeah. <laughs> Fishing for that one. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I already said it about myself. So but now, you, we should also uh, say uh, you're with child. I am with child inside my body. That's terribly exciting. Is it uh, unusual for you? And it's a, it's a new uh, experience. Oh yeah. Everything's strange. It's like magical and wonderful slash an intergalactic horror movie. Yes. You know, like I'll be sitting here and see my stomach move it's like 
You see I, a hand or something through there? Well, yeah, like an yeah. elbow or a foot. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like I want, I do want them to pop out all the space balls and start saying, <laughs> hello, my baby, hello, my darling. Wouldn't that be great? It would be great. It would be great if it could happen here on the show. <laughs> right. It's happening! <laughs> uh, I do, I do... I do want a showbiz baby, though, and I'm going to have to let go of the fact that, that I mean, if they don't want to be on stage, that's okay. I'm like, I'm not going to be like some Mama Rose, but I, 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 I want, think you should be. Really? Yeah, I think that fits. You think? I think that's on brand. I think you need to have this kid in the back of the, you know, Carlisle. Yeah. Somewhere. Don't do it at the kitchen at Caroline's. It's oh, a very well, busy place down I, there. I am performing, you know, on Sunday at Joe's, and I and I sold out really quickly, and I, I think it's because in the in the press, I, I said there's a chance that I'll give birth on stage. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to see that at that tiny little stage? Yeah, I know. They'll yeah. be like all up in it, Annie Sprinkle style. <laughs> you but sit at that ring around the stage. Everybody's going to get wet. Well, I, I should pass out some <laughs> I should pass out some plastic. Yeah, it's a Gallagher kind of a show. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know what we need if it's a Gallagher show? Mustache. I was going to say gourds. Oh, yes. We definitely need gourds. Oh, you're on it. Now, how close are you, though? Is it, is it possible? Do I need to get some hot water ready? Yeah, boil Towels. it. Uh, that's all they used to do, right? Yeah. Are you going to do a prairie birth? I, I'm going to do a home birth in, home a, birth in the Chelsea apartment. Oh, boy. At the at the, guy, the guy's house you're staying? <laughs> no, no. That's in the East Village. <laughs> I'm hoping I'll get to the Chelsea apartment before I give birth. I see. Really christen it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I move. I mean, our our lease starts October sixteenth, and my due date is October twenty sixth. So oh, that's great. Yeah, Scorpio. Yeah, good job. Yeah, yep. Del, just you past know the your, cusp. You, you know your astrology. Yeah. What I are do. you? I am a Libra. Oh, great! Yeah. I'm a Libra moon and Libra rising, so we both understand balance. We get it. We yeah. get it. Yeah. A lot of extreme. Run over this way, then run over that way. <laughs> People think it's just in balance all the time. No, it's a little bit like the Gemini. You run these, you know. Oh, a little that's bit uh, interesting. This side and then this side, and then I'll never do this, and then you're overdoing that. But it's also about perhaps like the true expansive nature of humanity and we're expressing that and that's how we are like really good with other people is that we can understand what it's like to run both sides i like that very much because i can always uh, you know sympathize empathize with other people yep you're a good empathizer and so am i i can i can tap in it's what makes us good at our jobs isn't it oh god this is just a stroking ceremony i love this ah, i love it uh well that's uh, true if you need any help though uh, you're going to do it at home. Uh, you're, you're, you want to be another? You want to be with the midwives on the midwife team? If you need an extra hand, I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> to catch the baby. I'll be there. Thank you, Dale. I know we've just met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's the key. Push on the back. I, oh, have you had a baby? I haven't had a baby, but I was involved in my niece Katrina had one. Oh. And uh, I got roped into the whole thing and had to go to all these birthing classes and whatnot. And then, uh, Were you the birth partner? I ended up, be, yes, as a legal guardian, I had to go be her, the partner, and we watched all the videos and all that kind of thing with the, the, some Mexican woman giving birth in a pool. And uh, listen, I'm prepared is what I'm saying, but push on the back. you got to push the hips in. Oh, hips in, okay. Yeah, lower back. I'm going to do it in a birthing pool well, as much as I can. I know you can. you got a pool in the place? Yeah, we have an inflatable birthing pool. Oh, wow. Inflatable. Yeah. Then we're going to convert <laughs> Blow it up in advance. Convert it into a hot tub. Yeah, we have an electric pump. We're going to blow it up. <laughs> oh, good. Electric pump is good. Boy, they got everything at these Chelsea places. I know, yeah. Uh, was that Craigslist find? 
The apartment or yeah. the birthing pool? No, the apartment. With the no, actually, I lost my other apartment I was going to move into due to some renovation issues, and so I put a call out onto social media and social media. You say? Yeah, have you heard of it? <laughs> It's it's amazing, and you know you, we can bemoan the fact that you know how social media is um, ruining our lives, which it kind of is, but um, uh, with obsession. But um, when you have like you know have a good amount of followers and and network through there, and then I put out a call like that, and it's just so simple. Like you, get, they provide everything. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to abuse it. No, no, I wouldn't say that you, that you are. <laughs> But you, you, we have a mutual friend, I think, in Amanda Palmer. Oh, yeah, yeah. She uses that all the time. There you go. I told her, I said, why don't you crowdfund this thing? Ask your friends. Yeah. You know? I bet you people ask her all the time for that now. Amanda, <laughs> yeah, Amanda. She had a child. Yes. Yeah. Amanda and I, she, we're, we're uh, just a month apart. Actually, I'm going up to their place on Tuesday. Well, that's terrific. Tell her I say hello. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be great. She and Neil up there. Yeah, they're actually still in the birthing commune, but we're going to... birthing commune? Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I think you, uh, you do, though. You, 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 you have expressed that it would be fun to raise the kid as a... I mean, you don't want to push it, but as a backstage kind of... I mean, this yeah, kid's like going to be traveling the world with you. Or... Already has. <laughs> yeah, it really has. You just got back from Australia? I just, I just did, in this trimester, 16 flights. That's... Uh, not recommended. <laughs> Only for the upholstery of the uh, the uh, planes. Thank goodness it, they switched to leather in most of these yeah. places. Um, I uh, it's not not recommended. It's no. not unrecommended. It's just we'll see. I mean, I guess it's an experiment. Who needs them? Don't listen to that. I mean, what is it? It's people have been flying for years. Pressurized. What What would they be worried about? I Radiation, don't know. pressurized. All of that stuff. All the stuff I worry about. <laughs> I think they're most. There's no health. They They say there's no great health risk. They're just most afraid of you giving birth up in the air and them having to divert oh, their flight. I see. Which would cost a lot of money, and I understand why. Yeah. But I had a special note from doctor. If you're a single pregnancy, no complications. It's fantastic. Yeah, I know. It's exciting. And Australia was fun. You had a good time down there? I had a great time. Yeah, I did um, Adelaide, Hobart, uh, two places in New Zealand, Christchurch and Taranaki, Sydney, Brisbane. It was. And this is a show that you have. Uh, to, you are a chanteuse cabaret star. I mean, we'll say that at the top of the show, but uh, that, that's what you do. You go around uh, the world entertaining people. Delighting people, yeah. Delighting really, audiences. Truly delighting them uh, with my <laughs> voice and, and, and glamour and heart. Yeah. And, I, um, and this, this show... Because I'm really interested in um, the, I'm interested in like the fantasy meeting the reality of what is. Yeah. So like the, I create the fantasy with the, kind of the um, you know embodiment of luxury and feminine divinity through glamour. Yes. And and kind of a a, a little bit of a nostalgic take on the diva. And then the reality is like, okay, but then actually what's happening in this room, what's happening in this world. So like meshing those two things. So there's no way that I was going to do a show looking like this that wasn't going to be about me coming to grips with having a baby. That's right. You know? That's right. Well, and it's interesting because you perform uh, as a character, right? Yeah, ish. I mean, there's a, how yeah. is the division going? Well, so Lady Rizzo is like... Um, you see how I do that with the vowel? It's like a mixture. Yeah. Lady Rizzo. Yeah. Um, 
is a um so I first it was so so helpful in the beginning to have an alter ego as you may understand. I don't know anything about it, but uh, I uh, because <laughs> sometimes because, I dabble and do a couple characters around the house, but no, r- go ahead. Right, right, cuz I was I was excused from the biggest the biggest gift of that is that I was excused from any humility. I think or false humility or humbleness or you know like I could go into um like everything being purposeful and uh grand like there was no apologies for like you know when we're like our own human selves to keep friends you know like we were like oh I'm just I'm just a normal person or you know yeah but to be like to have this excuse to like be one step closer to the you know celestial heavens like one step away from humanity closer to a not a well yeah i guess closer to a goddess to be worshiped and 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 then it's a separation that then you can for your own ego's sake then leave that as like well that's not really me so you don't go crazy like a lot of people who have to go into that place of ego yeah so uh so prior to that uh, what was the um what was and then uh, Rizzo really became something around 2005 something like that yeah i started in 2004 and and like our first our first show it was lady rizzo and the assets uh so uh i had dancing girls in a band and and we did shows in a in a burrito shack in long island city queens actually since this place has become a real hotbed for comedy called The Creek in the Cave. But oh, we, that's the place. We did the first performance ever at The Creek in the Cave. Wow, look yeah. at that. We actually... An essential part of history. In it is. Comedy. Actually, yeah. I think it might become kind yeah, of like I a... I think so. Um, because, and we, we, uh, it's because I had an, my sister had this apartment in Long Island City, and then I took it over, and we were friends with the, the guys that own the place, and they have, they just in talking, they were like, we have this kind of dusty room to the side that we feel like would make a good theater we're not sure we look at it and we're like yeah let's do a show here and so they cleaned it out for us and there you go yeah and it's so exciting to see how it's yeah rebecca who's running it she was just a, a waitress when yeah the humble origins of the creek and the <laughs> I know, right well you really set them off and uh, that's terrific yeah but, but what was happening for you prior to 2004 2005 so uh, what was the personality yeah that, yeah uh, sought i was an, out this uh, i was an actress you know yeah. so i was like you know and i was i i had come to uh, a pass about um uh i couldn't handle the kind of um necessary uh uh, necessary pride, like squashing, <laughs> that comes with being an actress and and begging, begging for the chance to have a chance to have a chance. Right, make your own chance. Like that was just one too many steps. I when I I was working in the West Coast, I moved here, and then when the reality of like, oh God, I have to like really really fight to try to get an agent. To like sign me, so then I can have a chance to get a chance to get jobs. Yeah, and I just couldn't. I couldn't do it, and I because I I think that for whatever um, you know, whatever delusion I was thankfully operating under is that I ha- I had worth as a performer that was that was beyond that and that was pressing and that was needing to to work right then and and that I totally respect 
actors that can just muscle through and and um and say like oh well the audition is the work really for me it's just and it's just that you know I, but I just couldn't <laughs> like and it made my auditions bad because I was angry and right. you know right. I just wanted I just wanted to be performing and and show and sharing and you want to be your authentic self in a sense right yeah and my Which authentic is what they always say you you have to show in your auditions yeah, but it's too hard if you're loaded so with all this other freaking stuff freaking hard yeah and I just I knew I was a, a star, you know, for whatever that... There you go. You know, and so I just... But I wasn't interested in showing people that were behind a table with notepads. They're looking for something else. I was interested in showing audiences. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to put you into some kind of a box. Yeah, yeah, and I wasn't really... I don't you either look like the pharmacist uh, <laughs> or you don't. Right, totally. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to circumvent that and I'm going to, you know, I, I still will act... I, again but i'm going to become a name and then and then your own terms in a sense and then ask to be auditioned ask to come auditions and and then i and i will um and that's what's happened it's pretty amazing it's amazing now you grew up on the oregon coast yeah good research some kind of hippie situation yeah yeah a lot of craft fairs and beekeeping and so many words (laughs) i just want to come back to that (laughs) i just like the word it's really fun to say yeah but I, I'm f- having trouble finding even wordplay for it. Gord, Gord, Gordon's fish sticks. I can't think of anything. That was good. Thank you. I like that <laughs> Thank one. you. See, I just let that sit and see, let you explore it. <laughs> that was really, really generous of you. Um, so yeah, I um, they were they were hippies that moved to the Oregon coast. They a lot of them came from different metropolitan areas. Artists that that wanted to have like an alternative. Life that wasn't uh, ruled so much by money and and that that they could create art and have families. Yeah. So they had made a collective kind of uh, performance group, and uh, I grew up in a theater company. And they made you know plays and they did Shakespeare and Brecht and Barnes and. There we go. And uh, yeah, I grew up in you know in in a community theater that had roots of people who were embarking on more professional lives and then kind of left and then came to this. And there's a, a healthy strain of that in uh, Oregon. Yeah, it's Probably a healthy acid, acidophilus strain. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. I there. Mean, there was, you, you go outside of Portland or something and it's pretty... Crunchy. Uh, make it make it uh, on your own, kind of a... Pioneer. Yeah, kind of, yes, very pioneer. Yeah, absolutely. I Mixed mean, with it, a kind of liberal strain plus uh, libertarian. It's yeah. It's a little bit uh, wild out there is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's wild. It's... Uh, you know, and and it's beautiful to grow up around a lot of artists. And then the strange thing is that like Oregon is also just this mixture of very liberal people and then very you know right wing loggers and fishermen. Right. So and I grew up in a, like a fishing town, so we were on the on the coast. But then ten miles in, there was logging. You know, and so um, did the fishermen come to the shows? No, it's very hmm. separate. Yeah, hmm. yeah, very separate, but. You know, I would come up against them in, in uh, like Boone McGuckin, you know, son of a big logger. He came up to me in, in high school and was like, "I hear you're Jewish," and I was like, "Yeah," and and he said, "The Jews killed Jesus," and I was like, "Well, Jesus was a Jew," and he just like went pale, and then he, um, he uh, said that Jesus was a Republican. Huh. American. Sorry, that's what he said. American. <laughs> Jesus was an American. So right there. 
Yeah. Not much of an Not argument. Republican. Yeah. I'm sorry I said Republican because I'm thinking about John Boehner. Did you just hear? No. What happened to he him? He just resigned. Oh, he did? Yeah, like five minutes ago. Wow. Breaking news. Yeah. Yeah. This is breaking news. <laughs> this... Yeah. He just said um, every day is Christmas and he resigned. The Pope got to him. Yes. Yeah. But how did the Pope get to him? Who knows? I don't no, understand anything No, but they that were saying there. that the Pope got to him. Oh, really? But it's because the Pope asked for no part- partisan... Yeah, he's had it. He's always crying anyway. I love this Pope. They were coming after him. Is he always crying? Not the Pope, but John Boehner is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that he's a thing? a very emotional man, yeah. Yeah, okay. And they were coming after him because cause he's not a, a, a towing a hard enough line for... You, you think, yeah. Sorry, I, I yeah. don't want to make this a political podcast, but I just thought you would like to know that. And we'll add some uh, music that makes this sound like Crossfire. <laughs> 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 this is the political section. Gunk, gunk. <laughs> it's a lot of good gunk, isn't it? Gunk, gunk, gunk. God bless him. So then you, somehow you end up on a cruise ship singing with Frankie Jack Hay. Oh, yeah. Have you where, – where did, did you see that performance? I used to work with him. I did a couple of sets. Uh, <laughs> what a guy. Different jackets. That was his thing. Yeah, he had yeah, so many. Jackets. He was such a dick. <laughs> we had, we shared a bill once in old San Juan. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yes. He, his circuit was San, Old San Juan, yep. Palm Springs. Palm Springs. And then Denali, Alaska. Yeah, he went up the coast. He did a lot of those ships. Yeah. For the, for the, for the people. <laughs> for <laughs> the, the senior crews. For the senior there. crew. God bless him. Did you learn anything from him? I didn't. No, he was no. Uh, just how to. How, how not to, to be. How to be. How to be sincerely frightened of your own position <laughs> in life. So other than him, who showed up? You're out there. You're making. Uh, you, you're seeing the theater come alive. You're yeah. dealing with um, maybe kind of lunkhead lumberjacks. Yeah. And uh, uh, who came along in this pine-scented uh, utopia and uh, showed you that you could? That was a little crack, a little peek into this world of diva ness. Oh, that's into, a good question because uh, I was like so cr- right. Well, I do say in my shoes. I mean, my show. <laughs> I say in my shoes well, that I rebelled with glamour. Yeah. And so I think that. That there was a certain amount of like, uh, you have to find a rebellion, and it wasn't going to be political or artistic, like truly. And so, like m- my rebellion was through through my expression of glamour and metropolitan sophistication, because because that was lacking. Yeah. 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 So you got vintage dresses, makeup. Yeah. I got some vintage dresses, and uh, yeah, all the trappings of yeah. of um. Feminine. You're showing up at the Seder looking a little bit like Phyllis Diller or something. <laughs> yeah. I would change, like, my my sister, who who isn't actually my blood sister, but we were born and raised together. And we started Lady Rizzo in the asset. She's a dancer. She used to dance for Mark Morris. Well, she still does. Mark Morris Dance Group. And um, so that's an example also of, like, all the children from this from this community went off to lives in the in the arts and that's what happens when you say to kids that like you can do this right and then the, that's also why the, you got to bring this one up i know right that's why yeah. I, I can't it's a give legacy. it up. It's a legacy. <laughs> That's why you have to. <laughs> no, well, one if you want to keep it, uh, then you got to. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, 
show them the ropes. Yeah. Literally the things that move the stuff in the backstage. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. good thing that my you partner, Nick, is a he's a lighting designer, so he can show them the backstage. This is perfect. I know. I love this kid. He's gonna, you got to get him some black turtlenecks already. Oh, my God. Some black Reeboks, black jeans, and black turtlenecks. Oh, my God. He's going to be a theater nerd? Yeah, I don't want that. No. Well, he's got to start. Okay. Don't you feel like you need to understand what those people are going through? Yes. And I started I, out running the lights. You? I know. I think that you should – I was a I, – Stage managed once. That was so yeah, bad. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, you need to know what that's like. It's true. Spend yeah. uh, three months in the dark, never going outside. Yeah, yeah. But I just don't want that. You know, like I don't want them to become that disgruntled kind of like. No, t- they got to get out. Yeah. See, I had just memorized all the leads' parts during the auditions. <laughs> so they said, "Well, do you want to audition, Dale?" I said, "Well, okay." And I went out there and I nailed it. I got the lead and I never looked back. What play was that? Oh, it was a little produced uh, play. This is in the middle middle grade. Uh, it called uh, a Teen Two: The Competition. Teen Two. Yeah, played a lost high school student. Excuse me, which way to the cafeteria? Was my first line. Beautiful. Wasn't that good? I still got it. Oh, I thought you meant lost in an existential way. True. That also. That was well, that also was part your of it. Inner yeah. inner working. That was definitely. Th- Playing throughout all of my big musical numbers. Teen two. The big number that we had, uh, musical, uh, Who Am I Anyway? So exactly. Oh, from Chorus Line. No, no, no. Some some original thing that was part of this. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Um, so anyways, back to your question. Yes. I, I <laughs> Not that I don't want to talk about no, Teen No, 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 I don't. Yeah. Um, I think that, well, there was a sense of... I do think it's important that there was a sense. I and I always say this when I when I'm when I'm proselytizing about you know what's wrong with the world today, is that um, I had a really really committed group of adults around me that were invested in my future. Yeah, and invested in my artistic future. They cared, and they believed in me as an artist. And to look to someone else beyond just your two primary parents or one primary parent is so huge to look to the, to look to other people for influences for support uh and that's where i feel like in our culture a little bit there's this real sense of the nuclear and then that's it and kind of this weird independent thing of like well it's my family you know mm-hmm. and and um and that's what i feel like the kind of communal thing gave me you know and so then any whim whim that I had uh you know with the exploring the glamour or or you know making a cabaret show or or you know being a classical actress for a while you know was supported by this uh, you know this padded kind of yeah this feather feather bed of um of what had been given to me in my in the way I was raised and all avenues were valid Kind of, yeah. yeah. It, and, yeah, the, there wasn't this, like, I'm going to be falling in, you know, in a in a, a kind of bottomless pit thing if the, if this doesn't work out. Right, right. And uh, what's it, when you're creating the character, when you slide into that character even, is there an imaginary space that you go to? Is there something that locks you in? One thing that uh, well, you have to do each time that just gets you I right mean, in the Rizzo space? I have um, a pretty long... Makeup and hair ritual, you know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that um, that is is you know to give the audience that uh, that that uh, vision, but but in kind of putting on, 
you know, the lashes and the last bits and the hair and, and the gown, zipping up a gown. There's it, it, it getting in heels, you know, it changes how you how you walk, how you are. And and then I, I do do a little thing right before I walk on stage that kind of is perhaps, you know, reflective of my crunchier side, which is just um, circling the fact that that I am I'm a conduit like I'm a prism that's that's kind of my my deeper uh, uh, ethos in the thing is that I'm a prism and that's what and prisms are just beautiful and 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 they are glamorous Mm -hmm. but all they're doing is reflecting the light that's around them that's beautiful thank you that's a nice uh, image to take before you go on there yeah yeah, and so and then also like clearing through my own like anxiety because it's like a prism doesn't have anxiety; it's just a clear piece of glass that's yeah. beautifully cut. Well, what do they say before you go on stage? You're supposed to forget everything, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a nice, uh, yeah, companion to that. Do you have trouble uh, uh, keeping the world consistent? No, everything. For Rizzo? Everything's my world. It's all so it's it's really close. It's no, I mean it's really. You mean like Amelia versus? Yeah, sometimes I have. Your your given name, Amelia. Yeah, yeah. I have. Rizzo. Uh, have I? There's moments on stage where, because, and I do believe this. In order to be a good improv uh, comedian, you need to have a shutter broken, like a a, a conveyor belt, um, <laughs> like or you know like what's like don't say this. What would that be like a a door mm-hmm. a door mm-hmm. a shutter door mm-hmm. shutter door broken that. Um, that uh, prevents that that is that regular people have that prevents them from saying inappropriate things or you know you need to have some uh, permission to go through that door or yeah some, or, it needs to be a little yeah. bit malfunctioning for brain to I mouth see. I see um, and so then there's moments where I've said I've just closed things on stage where I've gone off stage afterwards and I'm like mm, wow that was. A little bit personal about Amelia that I just I said on stage, right. but nobody really cares. I just care for you. A just take note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are positive things, or do you feel like you shouldn't have said it? I f- I feel like I shouldn't have said it. Sometimes people <laughs> reflect back to me that oh, was, maybe you, you, you shouldn't. Say. Do you keep a, a a sort of a running Bible of her experiences of Rizzo's? Yeah. No, because her experiences are so close to mine. It's just that it's like almost a a way that she's experiencing my experiences. And also, I but I do think that there was a moment when I lost a little bit of Amelia, and that's and I worked through therapy with this. Like I identified too highly with Lady Rizzo. Yeah. And so, um, and and because when you live as that character for so long, it's just it's confusing. It can be confusing. Yeah, sure, I imagine. So, yeah. So, um, so it was actually good to really. It was good to have that tool also to work with my therapist, like you know, because uh, expectations for an imaginary diva are higher than you know, like there you get it's into. Hard to live up to. You can get into this space of like, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve any of this. You know. <laughs> yes. I deserve yeah. better. <laughs> and and you can see a lot of people acting that out. Yeah, could be destructive. Could be. Could be. But yeah, I worked. I, I worked through it. It was helpful. It was. It was helpful in my in my darkest hours. It's good. It's good to have some uh, to be somewhat protective. I think of the 
mm-hmm. self. Yeah, protective of the alter ego and protective of yes. of the true self. And yeah, and I almost wish everybody had an alter ego because it is a, it's a good tool to be. Who are some of the alter egos you like that are out there? Oh well, if you want to, do you want to get a little dishy? Yeah, sure. So I just did shows with <laughs> I just did shows in Australia with uh, Barry Humphreys. Do you know who that is? The best. Yeah. Um, Absolutely the best. Yeah. So Dame Edna. Yes. Also, Les, um, Les, Sir Les Patterson. Have you yes. heard of the, the yep. other? So I did shows with Sir Les Patterson. Right now, the color I'm turning is the color of envy. Oh, really? Okay. It's absolutely green. Right. I, uh, I, I admire yes. him, her Genius. so much. Yeah. The best. Pioneer. I'll admit to stealing things all the time. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. But here's something interesting. Uh, Sir Les... It totally played with me, acknowledged my existence, made jokes with me, invited me into the dressing room, showed me the shoes. Barry, in like seeing breakfast the next morning in the hotel, did not know who I was. No. Wow. No acknowledgement. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm not saying anything because I'm stunned. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what is that commitment? I is it delusion? I think it's a mixture. It's also being maybe eighty. He's up know, there. Yeah, something. But I mean, still so still. funny, so funny, so funny. Yeah, but it was bizarre. I was uh-huh. like, "What? It's me from last night." <laughs> Remember when you grabbed my ass? <laughs> if, if people uh, aren't familiar, it's uh, 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 Barry does has these characters. Yeah, Dame Edna, Dame Sir Edna, Les Patterson. Uh, Sir Les Patterson, and to, to, to be, maybe that's clear, but uh, to have that division so clear, like, yeah, um, complete, mm-hmm. is really shocking and amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, I wonder what that is. It's, and in a strange way, it's like, you kind of respect it, but then, when it happens to you, it's very disconcerting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I, I would assume if I ever had a character, maybe sometimes that would happen to me. Because when you're in the zone, yeah, and you're performing, but that was backstage, yeah, and it was like it was backstage. He had like pet names for me. He was like Rizzy. Wow, come into the- <laughs> check out the stain on my shoes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, but that must have been an extraordinary experience. Kept on saying this was his baby. That's you good. Know, That's it was good. Cute. That's a good bit. Yeah. Have you seen Have you seen Dame Edna up close? Uh, I've never worked with Damon. I've just watched, yeah. But I mean, incredible! I'm incredible. You know, so quick and such a a very precise. What I love about Damon is like it's so she is so mean, yes. but it never comes across as as um, as uns- unsettling or, or or rude for some reason. It just comes. It just comes across as hilarious. Yeah, there's a you certain amount of uh, confidence, yeah. uh, and control in the insult. Yes, yeah. Where, where it, it almost just—I think because it's just so matter of fact. Yes, like yeah. that's it. I think it's—it doesn't—it doesn't seem like it's coming from a place where it, like she needs to be mean to make f- herself feel better. Yeah, it's just truth. She's just stating something about that person. Yeah. Well, you are interviewing me because. I'm interesting. Right, exactly. Yeah. More interesting than you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. And the, the Madge or whoever, the the woman that's always <laughs> there with her. So good. Oh, it's so good. So that's my dish. That's my... 
I love that's uh, that's uh, dish of the day. That's everything. For that me. and John I, Boehner. Yeah, I really. I'm glad you showed up. <laughs> yeah, what would you do? Glad you got on that bike and found a place to park it. <laughs> uh, and you identify as a comedian, though. First, Chanteuse first. You know, I, when I'm introducing myself, I think this is all about like wanting to get respect in a certain way. But I, I do when I'm introducing myself, like in an elevator or whatever, I say comedian and then Chanteuse. It all de- it always depends on actually the the, the crowd I'm in which yeah. one I put first but I do like saying comedian because there is this I don't know there's this thing there's this thing of like people what ex- defying expectations they just don't expect they I, things are changing but they don't ever expect women to be comedians number one yeah uh, and especially women like I don't subscribe to that but yes right yeah, no yeah. I mean I, I we do in New York and our yeah. small little but you know you don't ever yeah it's people don't expect you to be a professional performer number one but yeah. then a comedian and cabaret I I just feel like I don't know there's something about being a professional like having comedian as my profession that denotes the fact that I have to be some <laughs> this is so weird but I have to because because you get immediate feedback, you can't have done it for very long and be just really bad. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, because you wouldn't be doing it anymore if you bombed every show. But I think that there's some singers that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. are there. There's some singers that are there. Yes. Yeah, that just yeah. still keep on plugging along and like I don't know how. Are there comedians that do that though? I think it's less. No, there, there yeah, are. I'm sure there are. Yes, but they're just where are they working? The, oh, I mean, some, the creek some in the cave. Those <laughs> creek in the cave. Probably some of those ships have some people on them. And not, yeah, you know, there's some fine entertainers out there too. That, yeah, that you've worked with them all. Them. I've worked with them all. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't. It's. To me, I don't know if it's so much that the material is not good or they're not great at it, but it's a, it's a, like, they might just not be very good people. Right. Or just not... Uh, or don't have, like, an, an underlying deeper... It's not like you need a message. You just need a... You know, you look at all the greats and they have that, they have that kind of thing that, that, um, that crystallizes what their, all their jokes are about. Yeah. And it, it takes them away from the mediocre. They're able to communicate themselves, whatever that like core right. is. And that then authentic. You get, okay, that is the person that does that. And then everything flows from there. And yeah. it can be surprising that they're working against what yes. they've put out there. Or it can be cons- completely consistent. And, you know, if Seinfeld is making an observation about something, you know, you know to expect that. If he then throws in, like, I don't care about my family, you're also getting more sense of what he is. But it's a little bit to the... Yeah, you know, it's I was still listening to um, but. George Carlin the other day, and I was thinking about he he said he says some incredibly pithy things, but yes. some of the things that he says are not funny at all. It's like the way he's like <laughs> ramped it up. He just says these like you know really obvious sentences, but it's his it's the way he's put them together, packaged them together with his whole identity, right? And the way he says it. You yeah. know, it, you took the you take those words, you take that script, and it would be harder. I think it would be easier to take a Seinfeld script and and make people laugh. laugh yeah, possibly. Because, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think they because he probably has more jokes. Yeah, they're more jokes. Whereas Carlin uh, is kind of just 
pure um, like emotional political observation. Right. Yeah. Right. Like he's the fellow in the room telling you like it is. Yeah. And not the guy standing up in front of you saying what's funny about the thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I get that. And there are some other comedic heroes that you have? You know, um, I mean, everybody's so inspired by Louis C.K. right now, and I I, I am too. I, I love I, – I think why I, I really appreciate him is because, it, it, you know, what I was saying earlier about authenticity and, and like, and acknowledge – I feel like he's very good at, at um, acknowledging the darker sides of himself – yeah, and sharing it in a way that can be uncomfortable and hilarious, um, and that he's not afraid to go for a while without getting a laugh to then mm-hmm. make a. You Sometimes know, and the it, setups can be a. Yeah, I feel if like you he, even call he them does, setups. I don't. Know, he does feel like a little bit more of a performance artist in some ways. Huh. Yeah. It, it, when he when you you know, but um, no heroes of mine um, for like. Longer stand, you know. Of course, like Carol Burnett, and um, um, I do love Phyllis Diller too. Um, but but I don't have so many comedic heroes. What? Why is that? I don't. Miss Piggy, <laughs> I love Miss Piggy. Great, right? Yeah, I realize that a lot. I mean, I'm a little scared for this new show. Yeah, I don't. I haven't uh, checked it out. Ugh, it just like when they do the Muppets wrong. It uh, a piece of me breaks inside. Yeah, it hurts my heart. And when they're showing ads like the the subway ad of like Fozzie Bear getting waxed, his yeah. back waxed, yeah. and, and like <laughs> it's so wrong. It's so it's, it's so, so wrong. wrong. You just don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to bring. I don't want to bring the Muppets into like and the, the whole breakup with. Don't why? What are we talking about? Also, that <laughs> puppet is an atrocious looking puppet. Which one? The new one, Denise, or whatever. I the, know. The atrocious Horrible. looking. Yeah. Horrible. Anyway, Horrible. so. But I, I did realize that a lot of Lady Rizzo was inspired by Miss Piggy. I had a Miss Piggy puppet as a kid, and it took me a long time to be like, oh, my God, I'm just totally being Miss Piggy. <laughs> um, Listen, I carried around a little Miss Piggy doll. You did? Yeah. Oh, this way we're I was always, uh, always uh, kind of in love with her. Oh. A little bit of a crush on her. And a gal came into, I remember a girl came into kindergarten and she wore hair the same way as Miss Piggy. And I just floored me. Just floored me. I said, Did you're you? wearing your hair like Miss Piggy. That's not like, you look like Miss Piggy. It's not That's a great not thing a to tell a young lady. But um, She didn't know what a compliment was. No, I didn't realize the compliment. But they were all vaudeville. They all, I mean... Henson loved all that kind of stuff. All yeah. The old, I mean, they're old And so jokes. that's why I get they're a little nervous jokes, that it's like funny. trying to be like a reality TV show. It's like, no, it's vaudeville. Oh, the new one. Yeah. yeah. Like we, we respect, I respect that kind of. They're like visual sight gags. I mean, a yeah. lot of it. Yeah. I love, you know, people compared me a long time to Bette Midler and, and I was, um, because I was a little bit be younger than the era that really understood the genesis of of her work. Yes, I was like, "Wind beneath my wings," you know, beaches. <laughs> um, Which you I've know. done at karaoke. It's terrible. Uh, if don't... you want to kill a room at karaoke? Do "Wind beneath my wings." I can't believe you did that. It was not good. You at just, a house party in Chicago. You, you wouldn't just know that off the bat. You think? Hmm, uh, I wish I was there beside yeah, you. It was terrible. Um, so, but then. I was lucky enough to see her in Vegas, her, her at her last run of Vegas, and I totally understood. She, 
because she also has this kind of vaudeville yeah. showbiz thing. And the Divine Miss M is, the you know, we're close in the fact that, you know, it's all about presentation, glamour, jokes, and songs. And then, but then I I go more into like stories and and then and and basically like self help some my my shows kind of end in like Shanta Shanta who's the artist director of Joe's Pub says like she said the other day I'm really I'm really needing a Lady Rizzo self help seminar because <laughs> of my because in the end I kind of I'm most interested in actually like okay so like how can I truly have a connection and touch people and and empower and cuz like it's it's not going to be fulfilling if it's just all about worship of me. <laughs> yes. Like it's fulfilling You'd for think, a while. Yeah, yeah. But then the the come down's really hard because yeah. they leave and then you're alone with a razor blade. <laughs> well, I hope not. Just kidding. I have a baby on I the hope way. not. Just kidding. Got, that's right. You got to think of others now. I know. <laughs> I've always thought of others. Well, that's uh, and that show's going to be uh terrific. This might come up after that, so uh, but oh, that's it's going to be. It's, it's sold gonna, out already. I don't just, care. Just, it's, who cares? You don't need any help from me. Um, <laughs> I do need. I, I'm I'm making my next album, and um, it'll be out in the spring, and so maybe set, set the seeds for people to uh, to buy that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Go out, and you got a Grammy for one of the. Ones, I right? did. I got a Grammy because I did a duet with Yo Yo Ma. That's all you need, isn't it? <laughs> I got to get him on this show. I'll win a Grammy. Oh, he's so sweet. I bet he is. He seems nice. He's a really, really. He's like a little Buddha, but he's Christian. I don't. Confusing. Know. Yeah, I know Christian Buddha. Jesus was American. I know. Oh, right. And I messed that story up, but it's, it's all, okay. Uh, it's all Can right. you take out the part where I messed sure. it up? Sure. I'll spend a lot of time editing. <laughs> you watch the Nina Simone documentary. I haven't seen it yet, uh, though. Yeah, she's a big inspiration to me. I recommend it. She was wild. Yeah, well, check out the documentary. We're sponsored today by Netflix. No, Are we? No. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? I did share a lawyer with her. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> well, he was her lawyer for very brief, and then my lawyer for very brief, too, because he was really old. But he said <laughs> um, that she came to one of the meetings, and she did pull out a handgun from her purse. See, that's what you got to do to get people to listen. I know. <laughs> I am a queen. I am a... Have you watched any of the Montreux live... Live? Oh, yeah, yeah. I. It's just... Stand, she's fucking crazy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love... I love that fine line. I, if I wasn't so committed to sanity, I would go deeper into, like, the uh, the unstable artist that's inside. Well, we all have it. Maybe after you have a child. <laughs> <laughs> Also, you know who's uh, 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 kind of not appreciated enough? Bobby Darren. Love Bobby Darren. You see that last television special that he did? I didn't. Before he dies? Oh, I'll loan, I'll loan it to you. Yeah, but I was singing um, Some Wet Place Beyond the Sea. Right? That's Bobby yeah, Darren. Yeah. Some place waiting for me. My love of Dibble Zebble by day. Dibble Dibble day. Dibble day. You know, and I know exactly. all the words. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. He, uh, what, I mean, he's an entertainer. Yeah. I appreciate it. Fine. And you've entertained royalty. You've done that. Uh, yeah, I did the Swedish royal wedding. Well, I meant uh, Bay and Jay-Z, but... Uh, oh, <laughs> I did. I did <laughs> Bay and Jay-Z, too, but I did the... I, I flew over for uh, Princess the, Madeline's... The royal wedding? They asked you to be there? Yeah, I sang for I the... I assume you didn't crash. 
<laughs> the groom's night. I performed uh, for the... So the groom's night in the a royal wedding is kind of like a separate, like, whole... For those listeners who might not know, I'm not familiar. <laughs> it was a whole big other show and dinner the night before because the royal wedding is kind of like stiff and you know mm, yeah. so the groom's uh, party or night is like the more casual like like and I lombarded with the king of Sweden look at you that is not a lyric in a in a <laughs> Cab Calloway song but my life yeah wow. and then yeah American royalty loved love have loved performing for Beyonce and and Jay-Z, like, they're very generous people. Seems like it. Yeah, Beyonce is Virgo. I don't and... know why I'm saying that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, no, they, they, they really seem, are. They seem... You don't really, yeah, I mean, I don't have any most will of your them. instincts. I, so I worked at this place called the Darby that was um, that was kind of like a place that a lot of celebrities came in to see, to be in a supper club environment. And yeah. I was the, um, me along with this amazing six-foot-five tall black man who... Look, feel, felt like Isaac Hayes named Ron Grant, Ron Grant, Ron Grant who's like a perennial entertainer, amazing soul singer. Um, so the two they chose the two of us to kind of head this. They're like, they're like, yeah, we want a half Jewish, arty cabaret singer, <laughs> and then like the, this, the, you know, soul singer smoothie Isaac Hayes. Said. It was a great combination. It was really fun to sing with him. And uh, we had a house band. And so, Terrific. yeah, we did this for, for like two and a half, three years on 14th Street. And um, and But the whole thing was that it was the owners of One Oak, which were, uh, was a very popular club, like, you know, Leo DiCaprio, you know, was a an investor in it and that kind of thing. But then they turned 30 and they were like, oh... I guess we need an environment that is more reflective of our age, <laughs> and um, and so and we want to be classy, and so they were like, let's do a supper club, and so, so then, they were connected to a lot of celebrities, and I saw a lot of them came in, and and many of them sang with us, and it's driving. It is it's exciting. This it's is an exciting ex- life you have. It is exciting. It's interesting. You know, people are just people, and like oftentimes your friends are more exciting than celebrities. Yeah. But um, it is interesting who is who is who is generous, who is real, who is and who is able also to do spontaneous performance. Yeah, and it's not always who you would think it is. Uh-huh. You know, the best. I mean, Bruno Bruno Mars was amazing, but I think the best was Leanne Rhymes. Huh, I just saw her at the airport. Really? Yeah. She was so grounded, <laughs> so real, and so so quick. Yeah. Ha- came down, had a meeting with the band, was able to like talk to a band. Yeah, that's important. Whereas other people don't know how to mm-hmm. even say anything musical at all. Give them instructions and came and killed How'd it. How'd she sound? Good. Amazing. What'd she do? Son of a preacher, man. Hey, there you go. Yeah, and something else. I can't remember. Well, it's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm I'm thrilled for everything that's happening for you. <laughs> well, not that. Don't be thrilled for that. Well, not just that, but I mean everything that's going on. <laughs> Traveling the world, performing with great things, getting to do what it is that you want to do. And now you're going to be a, a mom. I, and I'm in love with the baby daddy. That's yeah. Oh, that's terrific too. Yeah, yeah. He's Australian. Well, there you go. What, what do you mean there you go? Mm. 
You, you're you're well liked down there. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. You're going to be going back and forth a lot. A little. Yeah, I I do enjoy performing to Australian audiences there. They seem to love you. British seem to love you. Yeah, there there's um, yeah. I know we're wrapping up, but there is a there is something in in um, the Commonwealth places that respects live performance, live entertainment a little bit more than in America. Yeah. And um, there's just a history of it being a valid um, profession, whereas I do feel like I I am respected in New York, of course, and like in places where I tour. But there's this general sense in America like, oh, but this if you do this long enough, you could get on TV or in movies. And it's like I I would appreciate that if if that happens. But this is like touching people in, in a live way. Yeah. Is what I do. What's well, one of the things that I really uh, also respect about what you're doing is is that you're doing the work, right? I mean, you're out there doing. There is a treading world for this. the boards. You're treading the boards. This is something we have in common. We just go out there and we do it. Yeah. And uh, sure, somebody wants to drop in, I'll do them a favor and be on their television show. Yeah. But here's the work. Right. Here's what I'm doing. Yeah, constantly. And I love it, and it's totally uh, satisfying. Yeah, and yeah, and and, and we need it. There's we like, do need it. We're like cra- we're gonna become crazy screen people really soon. Yeah, that's happening. Where we don't <laughs> we don't know, you know. I mean, I just listened to this Zuckerberg thing, like the next step of that, and of of like virtual reality existence, you know. And it's it's scary to me. It is scary. I was watching somebody uh, had the goggles on reading a new, uh, magazine. Why would you put on the goggles to read the magazine? Because he wants to see through the magazine. <laughs> how how much better can it be? <laughs> <laughs> You're holding the magazine in your hands already, and you also put on a virtual. What is there a dragon? Maybe it's a three D. Maybe it's one of those things where you have to like let your eye. The, remember those three D things when oh, we were yeah, kids? The, the magic. Uh, yeah, the images but yeah. makes it easier. You see a wolf. Yeah. In the middle of a New Yorker article. And you aren't seeing that wolf, but Gago Guy is. Oh gosh, I, know. I don't. I'm uncomfortable with it. Can't it just return to Tempe to Tucson? Right, just the simple circuit. Yeah, that's what we used to do. My wife simple would drive. Circuit. We just had a good time. You have a nice sibilant S. <laughs> Thank you. The simple circuit. <laughs> it's a simple circuit. What do you mean? I don't have a shibbering dash. <laughs> it's great for radio. It is right. Yeah. People seem to. I get a lot of letters <laughs> about that. <laughs> Um, so great! You're going to be performing in New York, though. You're going to hang out here for a little bit. Yeah, I'm grounded. <laughs> Good. I hope everything goes well with the birthing pool. Thank you. With the apartment, I've enjoyed uh, talking to you. I know this, this has been, been great. really long. If you needed to edit it, you know. No, this has it. been exactly the right amount of time. Really? Because we covered everything that we needed to cover. And uh, I hope that I get to see you again. Oh, can I say that? <laughs> well, you did. That's fine. <laughs> I won't do the blue material, but you can. <laughs> and that's fine. So this has been great. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Ain't she something, folks? I tell you. Look for Lady Rizzo and Sears as many times as you can. Just great. Well, that'll do it for us. Till next time, I'll be doing an AM variety show at the Bay Ridge Retirement Center, performing with my musical empty whiskey bottles and a flaming can of tuna. Now let's get back to that great music that we all enjoy. Dale Radio is written and performed by James Bewley, musical director Steve O'Reilly. Season theme composed and performed by Shockwave. Podcast icon for season eight designed by Jenny Fine. Listen to Dale on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher Radio. 
and follow the program on Twitter at Dale Radio or on Instagram at Dale Seaver. If you'd like Dale to come to your local VFW or Elks Lodge, simply drop us a line at Radio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. You're the best. <laughs>